You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tox Aroturi. This is episode 18. Thank you for tuning in to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we believe faith is a life power. And when infused into action, what you hope for happens. Episode 18 is Step Out of Your Comfort Zone. Hey, hey, how are you doing? At the time of recording this, it is a sweltering 33 degrees centigrade in London. And if you're in London, then you know exactly what that feels like. And of course, if you're in a tropical country somewhere in Africa or the Caribbean, in quite a few places around the world, actually, we're just having this really intense heat. But we're here for that. We're not complaining. My brother said to me that he finds it hard to put the phrase 33 degrees centigrade and London in the same sentence. And I hear him because he typically visits during the colder months. And so it's hard to imagine that this same country, I live in England, where we battle zero degrees, one degree, three degrees typically over winter, is actually now giving us 33 degrees centigrade. So we have two pet bunnies. Hera and Hazel, they are so adorable. I'm going to pop their photograph, their picture, (laughs) their picture in the show notes so you can see how cute they are. Now, Hazel has been nicknamed Houdini by my friend Joke because she loves to escape to the neighbor's garden to eat apples under their tree. (laughs) As if we don't have some in our own fridge. Last week, she did a runner. As usual, I was worried and I prayed for the God who spoke to the animals and told them to get into Noah's Ark to speak to her to come back home. As you can imagine, she is fast. And she's also quite smart because she'd be sitting under their tree, nibbling on their apples. And the minute she sees the boys start to climb over the fence, or they have permission from my neighbors to do so. (laughs) She darts under their shed, and then she will be there for hours until the boys are no longer a threat to her, and then she comes back out. The real danger is that she is blissfully unaware of the foxes. You know, she's a house rabbit and spends most of her time indoors, and we let them out into the garden during spring and summer, but they always spend the night indoors and they have free reign of the kitchen. They're always in the kitchen. They spend the night in their heart. They don't live a very caged life, if you like. But then she really loves the outdoors and she loves to just sit there, eat other people's apples, feast on the grass and everything. And my husband calls my prayers disturbing because he doesn't understand. I worry until these rabbits are back indoors, just like I do with my kids. So tell me, do you have pets? Do you pray for them? (laughs) What weird thing have you caught yourself doing as a pet owner? 
So on to today's topic of stepping out of the comfort zone. This has been an interesting week of very diverse lessons and just really extreme, not extreme emotions, but opposite emotions is what I would, how I would describe them just as I've been through my week and just dealing with bits and pieces. But growing up, I spent some time with my great aunt, Mrs. Marquis. She was a formidable woman. People were afraid of her and she liked the effect that she had on them. I mean, you'd see grown men and women pussyfooting around her, just literally catering to anything she wanted. Yes, Manuma. Yes, Manuma. She just had that effect on people and she knew what she was doing and she loved it. She spoke mostly Yoruba to me because she just did not get the fact that I could be a Yoruba girl and not speak Yoruba. And the reason I don't speak Yoruba is because I grew up in Benin, which is not a Yoruba state, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> she was also a health buff. You know, she drank Swedish bitters. She's the one person I know that was really into herbal remedies she drank Swedish bitters and also had this really strange yeast drink that stunk. I don't know what was in it, but I know that it had been called yeast. And she'll drink a cup of it, if I recall, maybe every night or so before going to bed. And here's what it looked like. It was in a clear container, like a really large mini tank, if you're large and mini. Okay. It was in a little tank <laughs> and you could see th a see-through tank. So you could see the yellow liquid, but you could also see this yeast thingy, which was shaped like an alien suspended in it. And people would come and she'd go on about the effects of it and she'll give them some of it. So now when she gave them, she'd only gave them a tiny bit of the yeast. She wouldn't give them the drink itself. Or did she give them the drink? I think she'd give them a little bit of the drink and a tiny bit of the yeast, but they wouldn't drink it. They'll take it home. And guess what they did when they got home? They'll put it in their own little tank or bucket and they'll pour water in it and leave it. And before you know it, the thing would start growing and filling up their bucket. And they now had a massive supply of yeast as well. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> if this rings a bell, please let me know if you have come across this growing up or at some point in life or you're also a health buff and you know exactly what I'm talking about, please let me know because I'm curious. I don't know what it was. She was very, very interesting, my great aunt. Actually, she was my great, great aunt. And I remember that she had her items either printed on or embroidered with her initials LYM on just about everything. Handkerchiefs and clothing and just have it wasn't not in a way that you'd notice it just really tastefully done a small embroidery in a corner now as an adult I look back on her and realize that she mastered personal branding pretty well the image she wanted you to have of her was exactly what you walked away with but you know, I've also been thinking a lot about life and death and just how fragile and wisp-like life is. Mrs. Marquis was such a powerful woman in her day with regards to her standing in society and her position and her education and in so many ways, 
But when I Google her, there's no trace of her name. Obviously, she has living relatives, but it's weird that for someone who had such a strong presence, she's done, you know, which is not to say that there are no writings of her somewhere or some information about her somewhere. There is, but it's not obvious, you know, it's not there anymore. Like she's not there. So I've been thinking again about legacy and what I want to be remembered for. What do I want my kids and grandchildren and great-grands to say about me? We cannot think about leaving a legacy without referring to the past, because much of what we do today has its beginning in our yesterdays. One of my practices is visualization. The scripture says God is able to give us more than we can ask or think or imagine. So I make time just to imagine. And this week I was clarifying in my mind a picture of my future. I did this on paper, just journaling and clarifying and just writing what I could see. And I ended my writing with a question, what's holding you back? I shared that briefly in the previous episode. So I went on to answer the question and was surprised by what showed up. In creating the future that I desired, I had saved a small bit of myself. It turned out that I wasn't giving my all to this plan I was making. There were habits and thoughts and processes, which I've always had, and I don't really see them as harmless. I don't see them as wrong. And therefore, I've never considered giving them up because it works, right? At least that's what I told myself. If there's a small part of you that you're hanging on to and think that somehow you're still going to become the future version of you, I'm not so sure. Think about it. My great aunt only needed to give a small amount of that yeast and eventually it filled a large bucket just like hers. Yeast grows. It multiplies and then it becomes. That's just the nature of it. Why do we hold on to ourselves? Why do we resist stepping out of the space that we have always been in? One reason is that we are comfortable with the familiar. It is less work for our brain to figure its way around something new. Do you remember the movie Home Alone? Okay, if you're of a certain age, you'd know Home Alone. Some of you wouldn't. (laughs) The family of seven went on holiday and basically forgot one of the kids. I think they were in a, they were in an airport. It wasn't the airport they departed from. It was the one they, the first airport they arrived at. Maybe they were doing an interchange or something. And they discovered Kevin was missing. (laughs) Somehow in the rush and the excitement, they miscounted because when you have a big family, you're always counting. That's what poor mothers do. At the airport, they stood in a row like they do because you need to have a system when you have a big family and we're passing the bags down the line. So Sarah's bag, pass this to Sarah, pass this to Sarah. And then when it gets to Sarah, Sarah holds onto the bag and Kevin's bag, pass this to Kevin, pass this to Kevin. And 
And so every child holding the bag and passing it to the next person and saying, pass it to Kevin. It got to the last child and turned and said, hey, he said, hey, Kevin, because obviously they stood in, in order of their age. Hey, Kevin. Kevin wasn't there. And he goes, Kevin isn't here. Then passes it to the next brother or sister. Kevin isn't here. And then it goes all the way back. Kevin isn't here until it gets to the mom. And the mom takes it and goes, Kevin isn't here. And she screams, Kevin. And so they realized then that he wasn't with them. Mindlessly, they were just repeating. No thought needed to go into it because they had a system that worked. Think of the number of times that you've driven home and you don't even need to engage your mind as it relates to directions. Driving is when I do most of my thinking, planning, audiobook, listening, interviews, podcasts, listening, whatever it is, and also hold conversations on the phone safely <laughs> because I don't need to think about my route home when I'm driving home from work. That's just how our brain is wired. Every time you change your activity or start something new, the brain uses up calories reluctantly. As a matter of fact, it translates the unfamiliar as danger and works hard to get you out of there. So when we are gifted with a new idea, thinking and talking about it in the space of your home and and just in the space that you've always been in and you're comfortable in, that's fun. It's fun to talk about our ideas. It's fun to call a friend and say, this is what I'm going to do. But you try going into the building or the land or the space where that idea will eventually be manifested and you'll suddenly see how everything can go wrong. Your mind begins to pick up reasons why you shouldn't proceed. So we hold on to the old because we know it's safe. One of my personal mantras is, I am not the custodian of anyone's emotions. I shared in the previous episode how I arrived at that personal truth, but even though it was born out of a real experience, as opposed to reading it in a book or hearing it from some guru, I still struggle not to feel guilty when someone around me is feeling hurt or annoyed. Because there are default thought pathways that our mind takes without any effort, and it requires intentional unlearning to change those pathways. That is why, even though I have a deep understanding and revelation and belief that I should not carry or take on board negative emotions of others, especially when I did not deliberately do anything to cause it. I may have that knowledge. I may have the belief. My thought processes insist on going down the old pathway, which is feel guilty because you've caused the pain of somebody else and therefore you have to make it better and you're responsible for it. It's like trying to go, I can't remember where I was driving to the other day and I, I decided to take a different route. So I took a different route. It wasn't one that I normally would take. And before I knew it, I was back on my old route because I somehow just went back to that old pathway. That's just the way the mind works as well. 
I came across a graphic posted by the Just Girl Project, which is a an inspirational platform on social media. And it was how to stop saying sorry when you really don't need to. Now, while the post shared practical alternatives to saying, I'm sorry, when you don't have to, it didn't address the reason why we even feel conditioned to over-apologize. And that reason lies on the floor of your mind in the form of a mindset. When we don't take the time to remove such limiting beliefs, we end up saying and doing things that keep us trapped in a loop. So if you feel stuck and unable to progress despite your efforts, chances are you are committed to following the same thought processes, which gives you the same result every single time. But there's more. (laughs) Let's say you're brave enough to step out of your comfort zone and try something new. You know, you've ignored the path most have traveled. You've overridden the switch that has kept you on that circuit. You've done the unnatural. You know, you've gone against the grain of society, culture, family, habit, whatever. And you take that leap of faith and jump out of your comfort zone and into the new. There is still a possibility that you don't take your entire self with you. You leave part of yourself behind so that should this journey fail, (laughs) you will have something to rebuild with. Like my great aunt Yist, we leave a little bit of our former self in a small bucket so that if we lose everything, we can go back and grow from that small part of us. It's called self-preservation. And that's the concept by which man would want to have kids. My mother-in-law explained that being a grandmother felt like gave her a sense of peace and that she could rest assured that when she departs this earth, she'll be leaving a small part of herself behind, beyond her son, that her lineage will continue and her legacy will go on. I think the thought of any danger arising from a new project or business, just like the thought of death and the end of one's lineage, leads us to self-preserve and save a bit of ourselves. There is a part of you that will not be going to the party. It will stay behind just in case. But here's the issue. Every time you step out of your comfort zone, you grow. So when you try to go back to what you used to do or who you used to be, you no longer fit into the space. When I lived in the United States, I became exposed to craftsmanship and luxury in a way that I had never imagined. This new knowledge went back to England with me after we lost everything. If you don't know my story, listen to episodes one and two. But in a nutshell, I lived in the United Kingdom, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, purchased a beautiful furniture company in the process, lived an amazing life, lost everything in the recession, and we returned to England empty-handed and pregnant with our fourth son. 
So when I started to rebuild my life, I didn't start from the person that lived here in England before she learned about furniture. I grew from the new version of myself with my new knowledge and experiences. Now, that didn't come naturally because I remember trying to go back to the old and the familiar. I remember trying to do that, but I just couldn't unlearn or unknow what I now knew. I had been exposed to too much and there was no way I could fit back into what I used to do or who I used to be before I left. The reason you should not leave any part of yourself behind is that you're depriving the project or business or whatever new venture you're going into, whatever new space you're stepping into, you're depriving it of resources that you can make use of. I understand the fear, (laughs) the anxiety, and the frustration that come with new beginnings. I know so well the pain of stretching and growing. There's little fun in it. So I get it. I get that you're scared to throw all your chips in. I also understand that you have always received advice from that part of you. And as far as you know, that part of you has always protected you and given you wise words and so on. But can I suggest that your future self is even wiser than your former self? Not just wiser, but better experienced, more knowledgeable and more intuitive than who you used to be. In addition, any venture that's worth embarking on carries a sizable amount of risk. I think a good definition for entrepreneurship is should be faith. I think so, because it's just all about risk-taking. When it comes to growing into the person you're capable of becoming, it is all or nothing. I'm currently on a business course and find it to be quite intense. My way of thinking has been challenged and it has been a bit of a struggle to let go of what I've always done and what has always worked for me so I can embrace this new thought. I trust my lecturers. I trust the coach that's teaching me and guiding me down this new journey. So it's not for a lack of trust that I'm holding on to the old. It's just good old fear that the person who has always led and guided me and helped me is changing, is evolving. And I guess a part of me is like, do I really want that to happen? And the answer is yes, because I have to grow. (laughs) I've caught myself holding on to both the old and the new thoughts at the same time. And each time I resume my lessons, there is just this lack of clarity. I end up going back to refresh my memory and like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And what's happening really is that the fumes of the old is corrupting the seed of the new. I watched an interview with a young actress who departed from Christianity and from the little she said and the little I understood, she possibly was holding on to old and new beliefs at the same time and eventually one cancelled out the other. 
And that's why we have to choose what filter we are viewing and doing life through. Because you can't have two different colored filters and expect to have one clear, crisp color. When it comes to the study of color, and I do a lot of color because of my work as a nursery interior designer, we learn that there are primary, secondary, and tertiary colors. The primary ones are red, blue, and yellow. These colors cannot be obtained by combining any two hues, whereas secondary colors come from the mixture of two primary colors, like yellow and blue, for example, will give you green. Red and yellow will be orange, and red and blue will be purple. So if you view life through a primary filter, everything you see will be colored with that single color, like red. If you use two primaries, like blue and yellow, everything you see is going to be green. You're not going to get blue and you're not going to get yellow. You get one new color. So that's why the filter that we view life through has got to be the filter that we want our lives to be reflected by, or should I say the color that we want our lives to be reflected by. We cannot hold on to both old and new because you're going to get a weird mixture that is not your primary goal. Let's talk a bit about intention. We met it in episode five as a principle. On Instagram the other day, I came across a post by a businesswoman. She's a Christian influencer, and my mouth was agape when I read her post. That was right before I unfollowed her. (laughs) She alluded to a belief that the government making mask wearing mandatory was tied to an agenda to increase child trafficking. Yes, you heard me right. What was worse were her followers' comments who went even deeper into what I felt was just absolutely ridiculous views. But hey, to each their own, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So, But it hit me that there is no such thing as mindless scrolling through social media. Every word you read has the potential to become a seed. Ooh, that rhymes. <laughs> the seed carries a specific intention and what is produced at harvest time is what was intended. So what are some of the reasons people post? To spread a message, to cry out. They post for attention. <laughs> people post to find answers. People post for fun, to be admired and encouraged, to make a mark maybe find their place in the world or to sell a product. I mean, the reasons are plenty, but each one carries the intention of the author. The posts generally do not have you, the reader, in mind. (laughs) Now, if I post self-glorifying images of myself and conversations about how amazing I think I am all day, That will be my intention. If you read those all day, the result will not be your mind being edified or some spontaneous personal growth occurring. 
it will probably be you admiring my earrings or my cheekbones or whatever it is I have on display that day. The reason I have a really cute phone holder attached to the back of my phone is because the seller's intention was for anyone who read that post to make a purchase. Her intention hit its mark and I made that purchase. There is no such thing as mindless scrolling because the intention of the message is contained within the post. So when we share our information, the onus is on us to make sure that our intention is in alignment with what we believe. I cannot say I genuinely want to help women play bigger while my true intention is to make me look bigger. The question to help guide you is what is my intention? So you have to be mindful of the intention behind your every move when it comes to stepping out of your comfort zone because there will be thoughts and suggestions that are designed to calm your fears down and make you feel safe. But if you follow on, it will lead you back to the old zone and stop you from stepping out. Remember that the brain will take the most efficient, least calorie consuming route, which will not require a lot of your concentration. It will take you down the familiar path and straight back to where you used to live. So this week, ask the intention question before every decision made every conclusion is drawn or any action is taken. What is my intention? I want to take this moment to thank you for sticking with me through to episode 18. I don't take your choice, your decision to listen to this podcast lightly, and I really appreciate you. If you haven't given this podcast a rating, please take a moment to do so. The ratings on the Apple Podcast app will help raise our ranking so that we are easily found by those looking for this sort of material. I can't wait to chat with you next week about an exciting topic. But in the meantime, let's connect on social media. I'm at Tox Arutere. My surname isn't the easiest to spell, thanks to my husband. So the link is in the show notes. I want to hear how your intention questioning is going. Have an amazing rest of the week and remember to leave from the inside out because that's where it all happens, inside, <laughs> not outside. Outside.